Good morning, Evangel Church. We are so glad that you are here gathered with us this Sunday morning. Sometimes we can get so focused on what's happening in our city and in our world that we can forget that we're part of something bigger. And as Evangel Church, we have the privilege of being part of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada um, and specifically the BC Yukon District. And so it is our pleasure this morning to hear from Mark Lewis, who is our Assistant Superintendent of Revitalization. I have so appreciated Mark's heart to encourage the church, his incredible joy if you ever meet him in person. And I know that his message today of finding hope in the promises and who God is will resonate with you like it did with me when I listen to it. So allow me to pray and then we will jump in and listen to Mark Lewis. So Father God, I thank you that you call us to something so much bigger than ourselves. That we are a part of a church, not just in this province or in this country, but worldwide that are bringing your hope and your life to the communities that surround us. This morning, God, I thank you that we have the opportunity to learn from one another that through this moment in time, we are able to hear messages of hope, not just from people that we are shoulder to shoulder with, but that we are knit together in unity with as part of your church. So would you allow us to be good soil this morning, that your seeds of truth, that your seeds of hope could take fruit in. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Mark Lewis. I'm the Assistant Superintendent for the British Columbia and Yukon District. And uh, it is an honor and a privilege to be with you this morning via video. I'm really looking forward to having the opportunity to connect with you today and to bring you God's word. So I'm not sure where you're at this morning. You're possibly sitting in your living room or around your kitchen table having breakfast. Uh, maybe you're watching in bed this morning on your laptop. But wherever you are, thank you for tuning in and watching. Thank you for giving me the honor and the privilege of joining with you. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want to jump right in today. I'd love for you to take them out, whether it's on your phone or your laptop, or if you're old school like me, pull out your leather and paper one and uh, turn with me to the book of Habakkuk. Now, Habakkuk is nearing the end of the Old Testament. It's one of those books in the Bible that you actually uh, may have passed over many times uh, because it kind of, by the time you get to that point in the Old Testament, you're excited about moving into the New Testament. But look it up for me. It's near the end there. We're going to look at a great story. Habakkuk uh, was a minor prophet. He was a great guy in the Bible. Uh, often, and I want to be really honest with you this morning, he's kind of overlooked a lot of times, actually. Habakkuk is one of those guys that nobody's even ever heard of. He doesn't necessarily rank up there with some of the great Bible heroes like the Davids and the Moses and the Noahs. And being a minor prophet, he's actually one of those guys that uh, doesn't even kind of rank up there in the big leagues like Elijah and Isaiah. But I love Habakkuk because he is a regular guy. And as we look at his story this morning, as we dive a little bit deeper in there, you're going to find that his normalcy, his genuine, authentic, real kind of person stuff is something that's probably going to be able to connect with you in a very deep and a very meaningful way. Habakkuk was a man who loved God. He was passionate about serving God, and he wanted nothing more than to have all the people that he served love God and experience God like they never had before. His cry and his prayer every morning was to have God touch the people, 
to move amongst them, to allow the Holy Spirit to lift them up and to encourage them, to build them up. He, he just wanted to see God move amongst his people. And he would cry out every morning, God, move amongst us, help us, save us, rescue us. The problem was that in the time that Habakkuk lived, it was a time of sin, rampant misery. It was a time where evil ran wild throughout culture and community. In fact, the Bible tells us that there was injustice, that there was violence everywhere, that there was misery everywhere. And this grieved Habakkuk. When we start to read his story in the first couple of, of chapters, we start to realize that here's a man who, who looked out at his people, and he loved them, and he cared for them, but this was a problem in culture that was way bigger and beyond his ability to fix. He didn't have answers to give to people, and although he loved his people, he just couldn't see them coming to Jesus or coming to God with a passion. And so he cried out to God. And he said, God, I need your help. We want you more than anything else. And, and you see at this time a, a real humbleness. You see a, a raw and kind of authentic, simple man who says, God, this problem is way bigger than I am, and I need your help. In fact, let's have a look at what he says in Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Here he is crying out to God, and he says these words. How long must I call for help, O Lord? But you don't listen. Violence is everywhere, and I cry out to you, but you don't come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery, God? Wherever I look, I see destruction, and I see violence. When you read those first few verses, you really start to be uh, empathized with him a bit. Because you get this sense of frustration, this sense of emptiness, this sense of abandonment. A man who is facing a problem in his culture and his world with his people that is way bigger than he has the answers to solve. And so naturally what he does is he, he turns to God and he begins to cry out to God. But the reality of it is, is that God isn't giving him the answers that he's looking for. In fact, the harder he cries out to God, it seems like the more distance God is from him. And so you get this sense that Habakkuk feels frustrated, he feels uh, angry, he feels just at the end of his rope, not knowing where to turn or what to do, because God is not giving him what he wants, what he needs, when he wants it. It's right around those moments that I really feel like I start to connect with Habakkuk. Because I've been in a place like that. I've had times in my life where problems have arisen, where they've gotten to seem like where they're so big, so overwhelming, that I just don't have the answers. As a father, as a husband, as a pastor, sometimes situations have come up in life where I think I can handle this and I realize that it's way too big for me. And then I cry out to God looking for help, looking for advice, looking for answers. And there have been times when I haven't heard from God. There have been times when I haven't got the answers that I wanted. And that's what we see with Habakkuk. That's what's happening to him here. There's a frustration. There's an anger. There, there's a confused feeling saying, why, God? Can I ask you this morning if you've ever felt that way? Have you ever had a moment in your life where a problem has arisen and it's been so big that you just look at it and go, I don't know what to do. I don't know if I've got the resources or the knowledge or the skills to handle this. And then doing exactly what we've been taught our whole lives as Christians, as believers, as followers of Christ, we go to God. 
And so we start to bring our problems before him and we cry out to him and we, we lift up our needs and we say, God, there's this huge thing I'm dealing with. There's this huge problem. Can you help me? And yet we don't get the answers that we're looking for. It seems like God isn't listening. Or at worst, we kind of think that maybe God doesn't care. We've come up against this huge problem and we need him desperately. It's overwhelming and we don't have the answers and we feel so helpless. Maybe today you can think back and you think, you know what, that's how I felt the first time I lost a loved one. When a family member passed away and, and, and the grief was overwhelming and I just didn't know what to do. Maybe even in the midst of what we're walking through right now, this COVID-19, maybe you've lost your job and finances have been tight and you're worried about the future and you're fearful about what might happen because there's so many questions and this problem just seems so big. It seems overwhelming and you just don't know what to do and you've cried out to God and yet it just seems like God isn't listening. I felt that way. Maybe you've been at a time in your life where you had a broken relationship. Maybe a fiance or a boyfriend or a girlfriend has broken your heart and it just seems like nobody understands and you cry out to God for comfort and for peace and you just don't seem to get it. It's a bigger problem than you've ever been able to handle on your own and your faith feels wrecked. Have you been there? God feels far away and distant and you question, does he even care about me? and about what I'm going through. A number of years ago, I read a great book called Experiencing God. It's by the author Henry Blackaby. And in that book, he says that all of us who are followers of Christ have these moments of highs and lows, times when we're really close to God, times when we, we connect with him in such a way that it brings passion and excitement in our lives. But there are also times when we seem very distant from God. Times when problem and crisis and difficulty come up and it just seems like we've never been further away. He calls it in his book, a crisis of faith. Every believer is going to walk through it. A time where we're questioning God, saying, God, are you listening to me? Do you hear me? Are you at all concerned about what I'm going through? And we feel so distanced from him. I'm sick, God, and I'm not getting healed. I can't find work, and I'm not able to pay my mortgage or my rent or my bills. I'm lonely. I'm afraid. I feel abandoned. You're not here with me. And we go through this crisis of faith. And for a lot of people, that's the moment where we decide we're done with God. God's not answering my prayers. I feel like he's left me all hung out to dry. And so we stop going to church, we stop reading our Bible. For a lot of people, this is the point that they decide, you know what, I'm done with God. If God's not gonna give me what I need and what I want when I want it, then I'm finished with him. And I'm gonna walk away because there's gotta be some other answer in another place that's far better. I want you to know this morning, if that's you, that I want you to hang in here with me. I want you to stay here with me for the next few minutes because I wanna show you the great lesson from Habakkuk. Habakkuk felt that way. He had those emotions, he had those feelings, he had this yearning to see God move and it wasn't happening the way he wanted. But instead of running away, instead of turning his back on God, instead of giving up, instead of just walking away from his faith, he does something so different. He shows you and I the way to find hope in the midst of these dark times. 
It couldn't have been worse for him in that culture, in that moment, in that time. But Habakkuk shows us that if you do a few simple things, and I want to go through them with you this morning, you can find hope, you can find fulfillment, you can find joy, no matter how big that problem is, no matter how deeply the hurt is in your life, no matter what you seem to be walking through that seems absolutely overwhelming. Habakkuk shows us that you and I can find hope in the middle of that pain. We can find joy in the middle of that emptiness. And we can find comfort in the middle of that fear. I want to show you two things today as we look. Two things that are very simple, but things that I want for you and for I to remember to hold dear to our heart and our minds of how we can find hope, just like Habakkuk, in difficult times. The first thing that he does is instead of focusing on the problem and the pain and the hurt, he decides to move over and starts to remember God's greatness. The first thing he does is he reminds himself about God's history of doing the miraculous. As you move on to chapter three, you realize that the pain, the suffering, the, the overwhelming problem that he's looking at, he takes his eyes off of that and he says, you know what? God, I know that this problem seems big right now. I know that this pain seems overwhelming and I, I feel smothered by it, but you know what? God, you've done greater things. You've done things in the past that are absolutely amazing. You're a God who does the miraculous. And so Habakkuk begins to, to remind himself here of all of the amazing things that God has done. Have a look with me in chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. This is what he begins to say. I have heard all about you, Lord. He's remembering God's fame. He's remembering God's incredible acts and deeds. He says, I am filled with awe by your amazing works. And in this time of our great need, help us again, just as you did in years gone by, and in your anger, remember your mercy. He goes on to say, I see God moving across the desert. In Edom, the Holy One coming from a place called Mount Paran. His brilliant splendor fills the heavens and the earth is filled with his praise. He starts to kind of pep himself up. He starts to kind of encourage himself by remembering that the problem he's facing is nothing compared to how great God is. I remember who you are, God. That's right, you did these amazing things. I remember what you've done. Back in the day, I remember the Israelite nation when they were lost in the wilderness, when they were starving, you did the unthinkable. You provided manna from heaven to feed them. No one thought that was possible, but you did it. I remember God. Yeah, as I'm thinking about it, I remember back in that time when the same people were in the desert for time and time, and they were dying of thirst. What did you do? You did something that was incredible. You cracked open a rock and made water spring forth. That's the God I remember. Yeah, I'm looking at this big problem. I'm scared. I'm angry. I feel alone. But you know what? God does great things. That's right. I remember even further back. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, those young men who served you and loved you, God. They were going to be thrown into a fire and you protected them. Not a hair on their head was singed. You're the God that does the miraculous you're the God that brings the dead back to life and does what no one thinks is possible to do. Habakkuk is, is giving himself this 
this rally cry, this cheer as he's remembering it. I, I don't know, maybe some of you today, you were in your younger days, athletes. You might have been on sports teams and had that coach that no matter what team you faced or know how big the problem was in front of you, he always had something great to say to cheer you up. That coach that would rally everybody around and start to remind you, yeah, this team that you're facing is good. But remember, you put the time in, you practiced, you worked hard, and there's this kind of encouragement, this kind of pep rally that kind of gets you pumped back up. And what he's doing is trying to take your eyes off of how big the problem is and remember what you can do. And in this case, we see Habakkuk is doing that. It's not his own ability. It's not his own talents or gifts. He's remembering that God does the impossible. I remember your greatness and the great things you've done. Even when we look through the second, pass of, uh, second couple of verses in that passage, he makes reference to Edom and Mount Paran. And for a lot of us, we might just read right through that and not even know what those places are. But these are things that Habakkuk is reminding himself. Edom and Mount Paran are of the places where God took the Israelite nations to find refuge when they were fleeing from Pharaoh. When, when, when they were running away from Pharaoh's army and from captivity by the Egyptian uh, people, God, God led them to the Red Sea, parted the Red Sea, did the miraculous. And then beyond that, he took them to Edom and Mount Paran, a place where they could find safety, a place where they would be comforted and find refuge. That's the God that Habakkuk is reminding himself of. When there was no way out, this is the God that provides a way. I believe this is an incredible encouragement for you and I out of the book of Habakkuk. Because just as we mentioned earlier, all of us will probably have times where we feel overwhelmed with the problem in front of us. And the lesson we're learning here, the first thing, is to take our eyes off of that problem and remember God's greatness. I was a worship pastor for over 20 years, small and large churches. And one of the things that I absolutely loved was being able to find songs to lead our congregation through, that encouraged them, that built them up, that, that challenged their faith and, and reminded us of, to declare the great things of who God was and what he's done. A lot of times we, in worship, we get lost in kind of pouring out our hearts and crying to God. But sometimes there's those moments when we sing, when we lift up our voices and we, we say songs that tell about the great deeds of God. It just makes us feel better. It inspires us. It, it, it brings a warm feeling in our hearts and we get all excited and we want to shout them out and we want to sing them. In the last couple of years, there was a great song written by Phil Wickham, worship artist who wrote a song called Great Things and it talks just about what we're talking about this morning, reminding us of how great God is. The words of his song go, O hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You free every captive and you break every chain. Oh God, you have done great things. If you know that song, you can hear the tune in your head. You're probably singing it. Yeah, it's a song that gets you pumped up. It's a song that takes your mind, your eyes, your focus off of the problem. And it reminds you of God's greatness. You've been faithful through every storm. You've been faithful forevermore. You've done great things. And I know that you'll do it again. Your promise is yes and amen. You have done great things. This is what Habakkuk is doing. Remembering how great God is and what he can do in our lives today.
The second thing he does is not only does he remember God's greatness, but he starts to rejoice in God's promises. In the midst of his doubt and fear, in his loneliness, in his overwhelming state, he begins to rejoice. He begins to celebrate because he's starting to think about God and remembering the promises that God has shared with him and God's people. He's remembering, you know what God has said? He'll do this. He'll help us. He'll be our refuge, our strength. He looks his problem right in the face and he says, you know what? I'm going to trust. I'm going to believe. Even though I'm not getting what I want, even though I haven't heard from God, he hasn't abandoned me. He hasn't left me. I'm going to put my hope in God's promises that he'll be there with me. Habakkuk chapter 3 verses 18 and 19. Follow along with me if you will. And this is what he says. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Now that first word yet is a really important one. Because if you go back and you read the, the two or three verses, verse 15, verse 16, verse 17, he's listing off all of the problems, all of the bad things. He's going one after the other. This is happening, and this is happening, and this is happening. Yet, in spite of all those things, I will rejoice in the Lord, he says. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. I know that God hasn't abandoned me. I know that I'm not handling this alone because his promises that I know, that I've read, that I've heard over and over tell me he's right there with me. I love to imagine that Habakkuk probably looked back in scripture and found something like Psalm 23, which is one of the most powerful and beautiful psalms in the entire Bible. And 23 verse four says this, that even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Now you can insert in there anything. Even when I walk through the biggest pain, the greatest heartbreak, the most incredible sense of loss, an overwhelming issue, you, you, you slide it right in there. Even when you walk through that dark value, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. This is the kind of promise that Habakkuk is reminding himself out and starting to rejoice and be excited about. And sometimes when life can seem so dark and when you think no one else understands, when you feel all alone, it's that kind of promise that you need to remember. It's that kind of promise that you need to grab a hold of. It's that kind of promise that you need to meditate on and to read over and over. As you look through your Bible, you'll find those promises that give us strength, that give us hope, that give us encouragement, that build us up. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, that's the promises that Habakkuk is holding on to in this moment. Now, I want to show you something that's really exciting here. In, in the very top of chapter 3, and a lot of times when we're reading the Bible, we just want to dive into the verses and we start going verse by verse and, and we're getting excited. But I want you to notice something. In chapter 3 at the very top, there's a strange little word there. It says, Shigianoth. You go ahead, right down the living room, let's just shout it out. Shigianoth! Say it, it's kind of fun. Shigianoth. Woo! Okay, this is a Hebrew word. And I want to teach you this this morning so you know it because it gives us great direction here. Shigianoth means this. It means to sing with strong emotion, with passionate exuberance, with vigorous rhythm. This is a direction that Habakkuk is giving us, the reader, saying, when you read these verses, 
You need to do it with Shigianoth. It's how you should praise. It's how you should rejoice. It's how you should worship. And it's all based on God's greatness. Not what he's doing for you in that moment, not what you're hoping to have happen, but simply based on who God is, his greatness, his power, his wonder, his omnipotence, his omniscience. It's all about God. And it tells us, when you think of this, when you read this, this is what you need to do. Get excited. You need to tell yourself, God is great. He's with me. He's for me. He's beside me. Shigianoth. You need to get pumped up when you say it. You need to get yourself all jacked up and excited and say, God is amazing. That's what Habakkuk is doing. And this is the reminder that he gives us today, saying, I will lift up my voice. I will rejoice in the midst of my problem. I will hold on to God's promises of hope, of provision, of love, of healing, of safety, no matter what I'm walking through. I want to tell you this morning, this is a faith that worships even when things are not all right. This is an opportunity to praise God, even when you don't like what you see happening around you. It's rejoicing because of God's faithful promises. It's a choice. It's choosing to change your perspective, not allowing the problem or the hurt or the pain to overwhelm you, but instead to remember who God is and what he's promised to do for you. For 13 years, my family and I pastored down in Las Vegas, Nevada. And about seven years ago, out of the blue, one morning I woke up and I just didn't feel good. My health had taken a, a drastic turn from the worst. I, 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 I was losing weight. I was nauseous and sick. and I had respiratory issues and, and pulmonary issues. I couldn't breathe. My heart was racing. And I would stand up and I could only stand for a couple minutes and I would have to fall back down. It was just, it was overwhelming to me. I had no answers. And we went to doctor to, after doctor. We had blood tests and CAT scans and we went in and out of the hospital. And on the morning when the doctor had called, all the test results were in, my wife and I headed off to his office. And I remember sitting in his office. And I was weak and I was tired. And I was just hoping that he was gonna say, you know what, you're a little older now. You got bad blood pressure, and you know, these are the things that you're gonna do. And I was thinking, you know, I can understand that. But then he didn't say those things. He looked at us and he said, Mr. Lewis, I wanna inform you that you have kidney cancer. In fact, in your right kidney, there's a tumor three times the size of what the normal kidney should be. And throughout your body, there are a number of smaller tumors attaching themselves to your lungs and other organs. And I was just like, right in that moment, it was like somebody just punched me in the stomach. After he finished all of what was going to happen and the procedures that were about to take place over the next number of weeks, my wife and I walked outside and went to the car and we sat in the car and I, I'm going to be honest with you this morning. I mean, I was angry with God. I had felt a lot like Habakkuk. It's like, God, I've loved you and I served you and I've given everything to you and, and, and this is what happens I mean, when you hear the word cancer, and I know there are probably many of us out there watching this today that if you've not gone through it maybe yourself, you know someone or a loved one or a friend, and it's a horrible thing to hear. 
And your mind starts racing with worries and fears and anxiety. And, and you get all upset and you're not sure what's going to happen. And, and I felt those feelings and I sat in the car and, and, and I actually cried out to God. And I was saying, God, why? Why is this happening? Why are you doing this to me now? What am I supposed to do? What happens if I don't make it? What are my family going to look? What's who going to look after them? And are they going to be stuck down here in the States? And, and all of these emotions came up. And then my wife grabbed my hand. And she said, now more than ever is not the time for us to be complaining to God. But we need to rejoice in who he is. We need to remember his promises that he'll take care of us, that in our darkest valley, he's right there beside us. We made a choice in that car. By the time we left that parking lot to get home, that we would tell my family and our church family with a smile on our face that we would hold to God's promises, that we would rejoice in who he was and his ability to do the miraculous. And so for the next number of weeks, in every doctor's appointment, in every hospital visit I went to, sitting in waiting rooms and in intravenous IV hookups and in CAT scans and in everything we went through, we just said, we're going to walk through this with a smile. We are going to choose to hold on to God's promises. We would get laughed at by, by other patients, other people sitting in the office would be like, what are you guys doing? We were singing and we were horrible. We were, we were rejoicing, we were laughing all the time. And they're like, what are you doing? You're going through this horrible, painful medication. You're dealing with cancer and the stress of it and you're laughing about it? And it gave us opportunity one after another after another to tell people about how great God was. To share with them God's promises of truth, of protection, of salvation, of grace and forgiveness. I can't begin to tell you that another time I could give you story after story about the nurses and the patients and the orderlies and the technicians that we were able to pray with to tell about God's love. Because we chose to face this problem, rejoicing and hanging on to God's promises. The morning after I woke up from surgery, my wife was standing by the bedside, and so was the surgeon. I was a little groggy, and I remember looking at them saying, how did it go? A big smile came on their faces. We removed the tumor. All the cancer in that tumor is gone. Part of your kidney is missing, but it should work fine. And they were both standing there smiling, and I'm like, and what about all the other ones? And the doctor looked at me and shook his head, and he said, we can't find a trace of any of the other tumors. Not one is in there. Amen. That's God's promise of faithfulness. That's the miracle of God's healing. That's what happens when we put our faith and our trust and our hope in a God who does the impossible. When there's no way out, God makes a way. And Habakkuk is taking us, and the second lesson he's teaching us here is that we need to rejoice. We need to remember that God is greater than the problems that we face. He's saying you need to laugh, you need to sing, you need to shiggy on us, shout. You need to hang on to those promises. You need to walk in faith every day saying God is greater than my problem. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Greater is he that's in me than any problem or hurt or pain or worry I face. Never are we going to be left alone walking through us all by ourselves. You may feel abandoned. You may feel alone. But God's promises say he is right there with us. Nothing can separate us from his love, a love that goes on and on and on. You will never walk through these problems by yourself. God's truth shares with us in his word that not valley low, not mountain high, 
not your fears about today or your worries about tomorrow. None of those things will separate you from God. And this is what Habakkuk is rejoicing about. Those promises to hang on to in the midst of your pain. I want to close this morning and read just a couple of verses of scripture to you. In a lot of opportunities in my life, I've had to put my faith and my hope and my trust in God when things didn't look that good. And these verses are verses that have always got, brought me comfort, brought me hope, and have seen me through, whether it's financial issues or health issues. They're verses that I've been able to share with people when they're going through relationship problems or stress in their families. And so if you have your Bibles one last time this morning, would you turn with me to Psalm chapter 91? And I want to read to you today just a, a couple of broken up verses, verses 1 to 4. And then we're going to jump ahead a little bit and finish off with verses 14 to 15. Psalm chapter 91, this is what it says. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and he will protect you from deadly diseases. He will cover you with his feathers and he will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Did you hear that this morning? His faithful promises are your armor and protection. The Lord says, I will, I will rescue those who love me and I will protect those who trust in my name. And when they call on me, I will answer. That's the promise that I want to encourage you this morning to hang on to. No matter what you're walking through, no matter how overwhelming it might seem, no matter how big the problem is or how just immense the pain might be, God is your protector, your provider, the one who rescues you the one who gives you promises that you don't face any of these things alone. Would you do one more thing with me this morning? I know it might be a little awkward, but wherever you're at in your living room, your kitchen, your bedroom, would you just bow your head and close your eyes and allow me the privilege to pray with you this morning? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the truth in your word, for the hope that we find within it. The stories, God, that encourage us, that build up our faith, that challenge us that to trust in you and to stretch ourselves sometimes beyond what we think we're able to do because we know that you can do the impossible. As we've learned today in the story of Habakkuk, God, when we're facing hurt and pain and problems that seem overwhelming, God, we need to remember how great you are. Do that right now. Right now, for anyone who's listening to my voice or watching this video this morning, let them know right now your greatness, your awe, your wonder, your power, that you're able to do the miraculous in their life. Let them sense that right now. And then Jesus, give them the courage and the boldness to hang on to the promises today. The promises in your word that say that you love us, that you wanna protect us, forgive us and save us. And so no matter what pain, what hurt, what worry, anyone who's hearing this or watching this this morning is feeling, I pray that they be able to tackle that problem, reminded by God's greatness, 
and remembering God's promises. Let them have the strength and the courage and the boldness right now to do that, where they sit, where they stand, hearing my voice. Thank you, God, for who you are and for how much you love us. We ask this all this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Well, I hope that that message encouraged your heart as much as it encouraged mine, that we can stand firm on the promises of God no matter what life throws our way. We have a few things that are coming up in the next couple of weeks that we want to make you aware of. The first is that we want to invite you into a national initiative called The Big Spend happening on July 25th. And this is an initiative thought up by our global workers in Parliament to bring a little bit of hope and practical financial relief to local businesses in our communities. So on July 25th, would you prayerfully and intentionally think of how you can support the businesses here in Powell River? This would be a great day to eat out and get coffee from your favorite coffee shop. Go and buy that thing that's been on your wish list that you would order on Amazon and instead spend that money here at our local businesses in Powell River. The second thing is that we have a few in-person gatherings coming up. It has been so much fun to join with you once again in person. And we know that there are some of you that are feeling still a little bit nervous or you have health issues that are kind of prohibitive of that. Please don't feel any pressure in that, but gathering together as the church is so life-giving. And we know that we've been called to this faith journey to do it together. And so we wanna make you aware of some of those dates that are coming up. And if you go to myevangel.church forward slash relaunch, myevangel.church forward slash relaunch, there will be a list of all of those dates. Please make sure that you register so we can be mindful of capacity um, and make sure that we are able to do any tracking later if that becomes necessary. Well, again, thank you so much for coming. And if what we do here at Evangel Church adds to your faith journey, would you consider partnering with us financially? You can do that in a couple of ways. Today, we are here until 12 o'clock. If you want to participate in drive-through generosity, just swing by the church and we'll be here. You can always drop in on office hours from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday through Thursday. And you can go to myevangel.church forward slash give to give online. Well, we just want to make sure that you know that we are so grateful for you, that we are praying for you, and that we're here for you. If you need to talk with someone or you need prayer, if you head over to myevangel.church, you can get all of the phone numbers and email addresses of our pastoral staff, and we would love to support you throughout the extension of this crisis. So allow me to pray for you, and then we'll wish you a great Sunday. So God, I thank you once again that we can have hope no matter what circumstances arise because you are unchanging and you are faithful. I thank you that you've promised us that you've overcome the world. Not that that means we're free from troubles, but that we always have you as our firm anchor to hold us steadfast in the midst of storms. And so this morning, God, would you remind us of your deep and unfailing love for us? And would you allow that just to pour over to the people in our spheres of influence around us? 
We love you. In your precious name, amen.